Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. This is Bo. I'm Peter. And we are with Running Light Ministries. And this is podcast number 107. Nice. Yeah, so we don't mess around, do we? Nope. We just keep this going. And we've been talking um, the last few podcasts about um, Ravi Zacharias and the sexual scandal that kind of came down after his death. Yeah. And our last podcast was really cool. We talked a lot about... um, uh, he uh, talked a lot about lording over men, lording over people, and uh, kind of having that superiority idea. And, you know, right now, it kind of, a lot of people talk about, you know, one of the big problems with society is patriarchy. And you could see it easily going into how, you know, oh, the Bible's wrong, it's patriarchal, right. that kind of idea. Um, and it really forces us, I think, even within the church uh, to look at, some of our own actions when it comes to how we um, talk about certain subjects. And one of those is how we talk about sexual subjects. Right. And, um, and you know, it's, and it, it's kind of interesting because in current events, you just showed me a video of a <laughs> current event, yeah. uh, right? Yep. Of something that was <laughs> kind of along this line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those of you guys who haven't heard about it, it's funny because, it's just this random pastor out in Missouri. Uh, you probably wouldn't have heard about it unless it got so much flack in the news. But uh, essentially, this guy stood up there and he gave a sermon. And uh, the sermon's been taken down. We couldn't find it today. You could find, like, little clips that people have saved and, like, kind of put up. But uh, you, you can't find the full sermon because I guess of how offensive it was. And uh, this guy gave a sermon where essentially he has this little rant halfway through it where he talks about how important it is for wives to take care of themselves after they're married. And he talks about, and he's, he, you know, you could tell he's trying to be funny, but it comes across just like really, <laughs> just really chauvinistic, really, like you said, Bo, like patriarchal uh, and demeaning to women. Cause he'll say things like, man, women need to stop looking so butch. And you know, guys, are so visual, you know, men are so visual and you, you ladies, you don't know how visual your husband is. And if you're letting yourself go, like, and you're not the most attractive woman in the, in the room, then he's going to wander and he's going to go away from you. And that was, that was his picture. So there's so many like false things right there, but you know, like, uh, th- that's essentially what his sermon was. And it, he got fired. Now he's in counseling, but, uh, Wait, yeah. is that what is that what they said? Yeah, no joke. Yeah, he's fired and he's in counseling right now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. About about what he said about his misogyny. Oh wow, that's that's interesting. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I would imagine that's pretty popular though. I mean, how many how many conferences uh, within the church environment have you heard? You know, kind of similar things. Maybe right. not as radical, but. That idea, certainly, of, you know, men are visual. Right. You know, that uh, never quite understood that, yeah. you know, um, you know, in our in our life, uh, like women aren't visual. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of funny because like what you see happen in culture is we were talking a little bit about gender last time we were we were together. And one of the things you realize about gender, if you study sociology, is that gender really is influenced a lot by culture 
the the problem is that some of the modern thinkers today they take that to an extreme and they say that gender is only a social construct which is not true but what is true is that gender can be moved by society so for instance if a society says women are not visual and women are not sexual what happens is is that a lot of women will tell themselves oh it's it's wrong or improper for me to be attracted to a man solely on his appearance and to want sex like to be a sexual person so what ends up happening is they kind of push those desires down and it shapes the way that they behave and the way that they act to a certain extent so it's not that it goes away but it kind of goes under the surface where yeah. it's, it's like a repression and it might be why you know church uh lingo is the way it is today yeah. is because of many years of this kind of idea uh, the, this this kind of education just over and over and over and over uh, about, you know, women not being visual. Men are. Women don't like intimacy. Men do. Um, you know, that kind of idea uh, consistently taught has affected the church. And it causes a lot of women to go away from the church. Because if you're if you're a woman and you're growing up in the church and people are telling you that, and you're like, wait, I like the idea of sex. Like, I want to have sex. And I like the way that men look. You know, I like seeing guys with their shirts off. I like, I, I like, I think men are beautiful. I think men are attractive. In a culture that tells you women aren't visual, women aren't into sex, what it makes you assume is like, oh my gosh, A, God is anti-woman <laughs> because you're hearing it from the pulpit. And B, if I buy into this culture, then I'm buying into a culture that shames me as being a whore, basically. And so a lot of women are leaving the church as a result of that. Then they go into a culture that says, no, like women could be just as sexual as men. Women could be just as into men's looks as men are into women's looks. There's nothing wrong with that. And it was kind of like me when I was a teenager where I went away from the church because people in the church didn't really talk about sex. And so I felt wrong about wanting sex and thinking about it as often as I did. So I instead attracted to my friends who talked very openly about it, but the information I was getting was pretty terrible. And I think that's what's happening to a lot of women. They're, they're going away from uh, good Christian role models and environments, and they're instead attracting more towards women who are more open about their sexuality and talk about it more. And the information they're getting is, is not good. Yeah. And, and, you know, I have a couple thoughts, and that is one is, you know, how many good role models do they have? Right. You know, how many good role models do you have within the church of women that... Sexuality, ex yeah. Yeah, express good sexuality and enjoy talking about their intimacy, of course, in a good context, in a healthy context. And then the other thought I have is, is on this is it, it works vice versa, too, that, you know, for men... You know, men constantly have been given this education as well that they're just visual creatures. Right. And, you know, that's it. You're a visual creature. You're a visual creature. And, da -da -da -da, and, and that kind of idea. So what it does, you know, like, so uh, I'll take that in two parts. Like the first one is my wife told me years back we used to go to this uh, Christian youth camp. And it's a great camp. But there was a time where the men and women split off. And in the women's group, they, it was like the female leaders, like the, the head pastors, wives, and, and the different uh, youth leaders that were in those environments, those churches, they had a panel where the girls could ask any question they wanted. And one of the girls said, what do I do if I like to view pornography and I masturbate? 
and the panel just started laughing. Like all of them just started laughing and they said, well, you know, like girls don't do that. And they didn't answer the question. That's all they said. And it just like totally shut down the conversation. So again, like when you look at the statistics, quite a bit of the, like just statistically, like I don't have to know or take a poll statistically, quite a few of those girls who were attending that camp did watch porn and were probably masturbating. And what happened is you take that pretty large percentage, probably, what is it? Like one out of every three or something like that. Yeah. Like, uh, so you take taking a third of that group and you're basically shaming them and you're like, Oh, you're, you're like a whore. If you, if you watch porn, that's a guy thing, you know, you don't do that. Uh, but then for men, what it tends to do is it actually has a weird adverse effect. So it can suppress good things and it can encourage bad things. In other words, what it really encourages is it actually encourages and justifies male, first of all, objectification of women. Secondly, it justifies your lustful attitude towards women and maybe towards your wife. And thirdly, it discourages your desire to emotionally connect with someone else because it's basically being told to you of like, oh, that's not really important. That's just what girls need. Girls need to emotionally connect. Like you don't need to do that. And I can't tell you how many times I've had this conversation in marriage counseling where I've had to bring men back to first Peter three, verse seven, husbands dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to them as to the weaker vessel. And I'll say like, look, like God's main calling for you. The only thing that Peter says that husbands need to be doing is being understanding of their wife, like trying to figure out where she's coming from and being empathetic towards her situation and sympathetic towards her emotions. Like that's what God's calling you to do. But because we've been educated of like, oh, that, like, that's just, it's just something that women need. You know, it's not a big deal. So a lot of guys, they fake it. They like, they pretend to connect with their wives, but it's really just to get something from them, which is even worse. Mm. Yeah. It, and you know, where do all these interesting stereotypes, you know, where did they come from? I, I, and the reason why I ask this is, you know, we all are raised in a bubble. We're all raised in our, our world, whatever that world looks like, whatever influences are there around us. Right. And, and they can be vastly different uh, in many ways and experiences Um, and the education that's a part of those worlds can be vastly different and and for me coming into the church culture later on you know in my late teenage years um, and finally getting to that place where I I heard my first marriage conference kind of thing and attended it and heard it. And I remember me and my wife sitting there just going like, this doesn't make sense. Right. Like just going, I don't get this. Right. Like this sounded so odd and weird. And and I went to a very famous one. If I mentioned it, it people would go, oh, that's, that's great. I'm not going to mention which yeah. one, but, um, but it was a very famous, um, it remains class. Famous. Yeah. It remains famous, but I, I didn't understand it. Um, it, I couldn't relate to it right. at all, my wife and I, um, because a lot of the presuppositions that are part of the education um, were ones that I were not a part of. Right. You know, those presuppositions that they had 
were things that weren't part of my education. Right. And so I didn't have those presuppositions and my wife didn't have those uh, presuppositions as well. So when we listened to what they were saying, um, it made, it was like, where are you getting this? You know, where do you get this idea about men being this way and women being that way? Mm. Um, uh, you know, you know, in my world, women could be very much emotionally and acting out like men. Right. Um, uh, and I didn't see much difference right in, uh, the sexes, if you will, <laughs> you know? So, uh, and that's uh, kind of the funny thing. So like recent gender studies, I can't remember who said this because he immediately got fired for saying this. And you, you might actually know him because when I say this, you'll be like, Oh, because I know you've done a lot of research on this area. He came up with a theory about the differences between men and women because they kept doing studies. And what they found out is that men and women have far more in common than they have things in difference, right? So they're, they're, we're actually really, really alike in virtually every aspect of life. And what he found though, is that like, so think about, you know, those of you guys who can't see what I'm doing, you know, uh, you maybe just Google this bell curves. Like if you ever see them in like statistics or something like that, a bell curve is obviously if, uh, I think the most famous one would be the COVID-19 bell curve. And it's where you start out with a flat, a relatively flat area. And then it goes up in like a bell shape and it comes back down and it goes flat again. Um, and what he found out is that men and women actually have. So if you think about the bell curve, the bell curve would be where it's actually like a bell. That's what we have in common. And then where it's flat would be the things that we have different. What he found out is that men and women predominantly occupy the space in the center, the things we have in common. But he says, as you get more to the outliers, the outskirts, their differences become more extreme. So in other words, this is what he's saying. Let's take one facet, intelligence. Men and women are relatively the same level of intelligence. They just are. We've found that in basically every study that we've done. But what you find out is when you th think about geniuses, people who are really smart and idiots, people who are really stupid, what you find out is that men tend to act, occupy those extremes more than women do. Women tend to be more in the center. Men tend to occupy those extremes in a lot more, uh, a lot greater quantity. Uh, the same would be true with sexuality. So think about sex, your sex drive, like powerful sex drives and lustful sex drive. Men and women actually tend to occupy the center. But when you go into the extremes, the extreme being like totally asexual, not wanting any sex at all, and like massively sexual, wanting to, you know, like have sex three times a day, men tend to occupy those extremes. And That's what, not normal. Yeah. <laughs> and so Just it's joking. Like, I had to say that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? What's normal? Man? <laughs> That's right. But, uh, you know, when you look at statistics like that, what you see is sometimes what we do is we take the outlier because men tend to occupy more of that extreme. And we say, and women don't tend to occupy the extreme as much. Doesn't mean that they don't at all, just as much. We take the extreme and we say, oh, men are like this and women aren't. So we take the outlier, the outlying case, and we say men are like this and women aren't. When in reality, the majority of men actually aren't like that. And the majority of women actually aren't like that. There's a center that we have. Yeah. And when you think about, again, asexuality, it's not that men, the women, uh, men and women 
don't do that. It's that they just do it in infrequent numbers. So maybe what the church is doing is we just touch on the peripherals. That's right. And really we're making that our argument. That's right. And we're making arguments from everything that's on the outskirts. The things that are, to put it another way, we're making arguments from things that are more noticeably different between the genders. Mm -hmm. But just because something's more noticeably different between the genders doesn't mean it's more common. It just means it's more noticeably different. And in practical everyday life, what you see is that men and women tend to be very much the same uh, when it comes to generalities. We have to look to the outliers to see like, oh, there is distinctions between men and women. But in practical everyday life, it doesn't look that extreme. Meaning when me and my wife compare our sexuality, it's not that extreme of a difference. There's a difference, but it's small. It's, it's almost minuscule. I, again, have to look to the extreme examples to see the big difference between men and women. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff within the church um, that kind of deals with, you know, you know, this masculinity and the femininity. And, you know, uh, I think of some of the popular books. Uh, I think it's Wild at Heart, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of books that really stress the the masculinity. And, and, and sometimes in my writings, you know, when I've kind of looked at masculinity and femininity, uh, I, I just see like you're talking about so much commonality right. within uh, the framework of 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 what is in a male and what is in a female. I, I just find it, it, both of it makes sense. Both of them have the qualities. Right. Um, you know, there are some peripherals. Right. You know, there um, certainly so. But I like what you're saying that there's more of a commonality. Um, that's more dominant. That's right. You know, that's right. And, and that's something that, again, like a lot of sociologists have missed throughout the ages. And unfortunately, it's like what you have to understand about the church, the church isn't creating the problem. The problem's actually starting with society and it's filtering into the church, meaning that the church is being more influenced by societal constructs and cultural ideals than it is by the Bible. Because when you go through the Bible, you don't see these wide ranging things. Like uh, a lot of people, you know, Love and Respect is a very famous Christian seminar. And I like it, I think it's good, but one of the dangerous insinuations that I've seen play out time and time again within marriage couples is there's an assumption of, oh, well, women don't really need respect and men really don't need love. And that's not true. Like when you look at the point that Paul's making. That's he, true, man. Yeah. <laughs> in Ephesians, it's does it, it doesn't say nowhere for a wife to resp- uh, love her husband. That's right. Doesn't say it anywhere. She shouldn't love him. <laughs> she shouldn't love him. She shouldn't care for him. She shouldn't emotionally connect with him because husbands don't need that. You she know? should care in a respectful way. <laughs> and what you see is that's not what Paul's doing. If you read the passage, he's not talking men need this, women need this. What he's saying is, if we're reflecting the glory of God, this is how, again, looking at the outliers, how do women exemplify the church's metaphoric role between the church and Christ? Through submission and respect. How does the husband, in the outlying cases, demonstrate the difference between the church and Christ primarily? through loving her unconditionally and caring for her betterment, even at the cost of himself. That's what he's talking about. He's not saying these are women's needs, these are men's needs, and neither, the, never the twain should meet. You know, That's not the point that he's making. 
And some people walk away from it thinking that of like, oh, women don't really need respect. Yeah. When in first Peter three, that's one of the main things that Peter says that women need husbands dwell with their wives with understanding, giving what respect to her or honor to her as to the weaker vessel. Yeah. That one flies right in the face of it. It right. seems like, yeah. And I tend to, I tend to wonder if uh, a lot of the, the patriarchal, um, structures that you see throughout the old Testament are, are, you know, most people go, Oh, well that's, you know, that's lust. And sure. There's a lustful part of that. Right. There's no doubt about it, but there's also other issues that are going on as well. Like, let me just say a big one economically, right. You know, concubines had a place in the economic system, right. Of the ancient worlds. Right. Um, or I should say, well, this profession, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, but it helped, it helped families. Yeah. Um, it was an employee, if you will. It was like a worker. That's right. Cause you know, women back in the day, that's one of the few occupations that they could hold. Right. Right. So as a, if you were a female back in the ancient days, your ability to economically, so a woman could work, but a woman couldn't be like for most cultures, she couldn't be an entrepreneur like a man. Mm -hmm. um, she just wasn't allowed to do that. And she wasn't educated like men were. Uh, so one of the roles that she could have was being a prostitute, which, by the way, if you read through your Bible, God wasn't too happy with that. When you get to places like Hosea 4, where he says, yeah, your daughters are prostitutes, but it's because you've made them that way. What's he talking about? He's talking about setting up a system of economy in which women can only exist in that role of fulfilling lust. Mm. So God's not happy with it. But it was what was happening. Yeah. So, you know, we see like in, in this current event where the guy, you know, said some things that were really off. And, but they are popular. They are popular views, not just within uh, a Christian church right. perspective, um, and certainly not every Christian church. But uh, it, it's also in just uh, different systems of belief and thought and ideologies and so i, I don't know if any I, I, ideology that doesn't have right a specific idea like an aspect of that an aspect of it and what you're going to see is a lot of people try to draw lines between religious and non-religious but that's actually not where the line belongs it's more between conservative and progressive meaning if i go into progressive churches they're not going to teach that you're not going to find that so the issue is not the church it's not religion it's like I said, it's the cultural ideology that the church is adopting. So if you go into conservative, churches tend to be more conservative, which is why they're going to tend to preach that message more than a progressive one. But look at the church dynamics. Progressive churches are becoming far more popular. In five, ten years, that's what I'm saying right now is no longer going to be true. The dominant view of the church is going to be more progressive in five to ten years. And like you said, Bo, the progressive movement uh, so we talk about patriarchy. The progressive movement is adopting what we would call egalitarianism. So in other words, they're adopting a view where they're totally ignoring the outliers and they're saying, no, we're, we're exactly the same. Men and women are exactly the same. There's no difference whatsoever between male needs or masculinity and femininity. They're, they're just words. They're societal constructs. And if we strip them away, then people will be much more happy. And you'll see that, you know, women will become better CEOs and men will become more uh, stay-at-home dads. And there's nothing wrong with that. The issue with that idea is that when you go to societies that give like uh, the 
the Baltic countries are really, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the, uh, the places in like Norway and areas like that, they're actually really progressive when it comes to women's rights, far more than us, and we're pretty good. Uh, what you see is that the more liberty you give to men and women, the more you see, not that, again, the majority of people are in that bell curve, but you do see these high level occupancy roles being dominated by one gender or the other. So in other words, nursing and teaching is dominated by women in these countries, whereas engineering and business entrepreneurship is dominated by men. Why is that happening? It's because of the bell curve. It's because of the outliers. In order to become really, really good at nursing, you have to be extremely nurturing. And men on the bell curve don't occupy that outlier role in the same way with entrepreneurship. In order to be really good at business, you have to care less about, and this sounds bad, you have to care less about people and more about profit. So most women are not built that way. It's not that there aren't women built that way. It's just that men are going to occupy more of that extreme outlier state than women. Is is the thought that over time, though, education will will um, kind of uh, take the peripherals and kind of move them in even more? That's right. That's the idea. And so what you're seeing in our country is we're actually becoming less less equal than these other countries because you and I talk about this often. The word in our country that we're using is not equality, but it's equity. Equality means everyone has equal rights. And that's what these countries like Sweden and Denmark, those countries have equality. What we're pushing for is equity. Equity doesn't mean everyone has equal rights. Equity means everyone has equal outcomes. That's what equity means. So in other words, we're artificially trying to crush the outliers of the bell curve. We're trying to make it so that men and women have equal outcomes across the board, no matter what, and we're trying to force it. So in other words, there's an, a new education happening to women where they're outwardly being told to suppress their maternal instincts. In other words, the ideals of motherhood are trying to be artificially crushed. And with men, the ideas of assertiveness and seeking profit and things like that, entrepreneurship, engineering type mindsets, they're being crushed and they're trying to artificially nurture men to become more feminine. So we're trying to crush the outliers, but in doing so, what you're doing is the same thing that the patriarchy did. So the patriarchy, think about it this way, the patriarchy was trying to exaggerate the extremes. They were trying to exaggerate the things on the outsides. But what this is doing is just trying to shrink them. What we should be doing is, like I said, what these other countries have done and instead encouraging equality and allow men to be men and women to be women, right? Allow the outliers to remain and accept that the outliers are not the norm, but they do exist. And because of that, there's going to have a marked effect on society because of them. Mm, good stuff. Hey, you guys are checking out the... 107th podcast by Running Light Ministries. Um, we're going to take a break there for this one because we got stuff to do today, and so we can't be here too long. But um, um, it's been a kind of a neat podcast to talk a little bit about, almost like stereotypes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's almost a stereotype podcast. And uh, but how how churches get locked into these kind of um, understandings, and you're saying it's not so much from what what we're going through um, inside the church as much as being influenced by outside sources, right. and that the sexual context or the sexual co sexual content that is taught within the church, what you're saying is um, is 
is done usually through the idea of uh, a societal vibe, right. whether it's conservative or whether it's progressivism. Right. And those influences come into the church. And if it's a conservative one, then we teach very conservative on these issues. Men are different from women. You know, men are from Venus, whatever, from <laughs> Mars, you know, that kind of idea. Yeah. And then if you're progressive and that comes into the church, then you kind of teach more of an egotal, uh, eagle, egalitarian, egalitarian um, idea um, that we are all the same. There is no difference at all. Right. And um, and I kind of I, I, I see that you could see that how that uh, definitely takes place within the church. And it's great to be in a church that just teaches the Bible. And uh, that's really uh, an important, I think, aspect of anybody's life. If you're a Christian, anyway, is um, or you want, or you're an inquirer and you want to uh, know the Bible. Certainly, I was an inquirer at one time, and I just wanted to read the Bible. And um, uh, and, and you can read the good, the bad, and the ugly, and then the revolutionary teaching that is found in the Apostle Paul, where he talks about not depriving your wife of of her sexual need. Right. And that Paul understood. What? Dude, what? Women don't have a sexual need. I, I, I don't know why no. it's in there. <laughs> but, you know, but, you, you know, that's what the Bible teaches and, and uh, that men have sexual needs and women have sexual needs. And uh, that our jobs is to give to one another that uh, pleasure that's due them, hmm. you know, um, uh, to give generos- uh, generosity. Generously. There we go. <laughs> Give generously. I, I knew I had a shirt that said something like that. On. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, but, the, you know, those kind of things. So it's amazing how we can get off on so many other ideas, yeah. you know, and get influenced by those. So um, how that relates to Ravi Zacharias, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, what was Ravi influenced by? What hit his heart? You know, what, you know, were, was did he ever really... D- talk about these things with people um you know not that i know of, yeah. yeah did he did he ever share that um you know uh, you know i'm not i'm not sure you know um you know i think part of running light that's always been very cool is to be able to be in an environment that we can talk about anything mm-hmm. and we could we, we could literally talk about anything i had a guy come up to me he's been a christian for as long as I have, um, you know, cl- like 28 years. And he said, hey, you know, I was going through your uh, one of your running light books and it was uh, on Ezekiel uh, chapter 23. And he was blown away by the the, the chapter. Right. And it's a pretty mind-blowing chapter. Yeah, <laughs> and he was just like taken by the amount of sexual... Uh, Graphic sexual content. Yeah, yeah, content that's in that chapter. and. Yeah. And, you know, that's a guy who's been a, a believer, a strong, very strong theological uh, believer, you know, a strong in theology, I should say, for uh, a lot of years. But, you know, it's just a lot of church. We don't have environments to talk about that. So it's been great. Anyway, you guys you have a great one. Thanks for listening. You can always check us out at Better Pleasure dot net or you can go to running light running light dot org and uh, you can always post questions there whatever you want man if you guys need to get in contact with us it's Bo at running light dot org or Peter at running light dot org so you guys take care bye bye check out running light dot org to begin our two video series take flight and love or lust you can also send us questions on Twitter at running light or on our running light dot org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries. 
Psalm 36, 8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. 